or did you still have something you wanted to get after? Okay, super. All right. I'm going to begin our, our session by reviewing that this is a series called Why Church? And we're asking these four questions during this series. What is church? Why is church important? Is it still relevant? And how should I be involved? And you're going to hear a real diversity of views up here. Somebody said the diversity of views gives one the freedom to wrestle. We want you to wrestle with spiritual truth. We want you to wrestle with your Bible. We want you to wrestle with God. That, that, that's a, actually something that in the scripture we're given an example of with Jacob wrestled with the angel uh, a type of his calling, his doubting, his journey, his, and, and so it's okay to do that. Today, specifically, we're asking this question, why is the church important? And, and if it spills over into the next question, or we have time, is the church still relevant? Let me begin by reviewing our question from last week, just briefly, and we'll have a couple of notes on the screen for you. We asked the question, what is the church last week? First of all, it isn't a location. Secondly, it isn't a building. Jesus used the Greek word ekklesia or ekklesia when talking about the church that he would build. And it means, very simply, a gathering. It can also mean a movement, all right? The best translation of it, though, comes from a dear friend of mine and ours who we were with in California um, online. The rest of us were, were gathered together in this roundtable that we had, and he joined us from Switzerland online, and it was so dynamic. Here's a definition that he gave in watching our service last week for Ecclesia the constantly being called out ones. It's not an event, all right? We're not talking about salvation here. We're not talking about joining the church. This is where you are constantly being called out of tradition into a knowing of greater awareness. I love that definition of ecclesia. We are being called out of tradition, constantly being called out of what keeps us from knowing him dynamically into a greater knowing him. So why is the church important? Well, I'm going to give each of the speakers here um, three minutes this morning to explain their thoughts about it, but I thought I'd go first and say that my training and my thinking originally and when I was brought up was that First of all, it was for a time of corporate worship. We got together for worship, but here, here's what that looked like. The ushers, the greeters, the hospitality team, but especially worship and praise, okay? All of that went on 
to facilitate the entrance of the man of God to preach the word. Everything, again, I know that might not be your upbringing or how you were taught, but in the circles I ran in, uh, that was definitely taught to us, that everything was leading up to and needed to create an environment for the preaching of the word of God. I am embarrassed by that definition today. I'm embarrassed to say that I ever believed that. Secondly, I do believe that the reason we gather is for the word, but oh, it needs to take on so much more than just you coming, sitting in a group of people where somebody stands in front of you and talks to you. And, and so you've had your ushers and your greeting and you've sung a couple of songs as we did and then a person's gonna get up and preach to you or talk to you, talk at you and tell you what you should believe and how you should believe it and the difference it will make in your life and some are as bold and you know, in their theology and in their method to call you to action, which sometimes results in an altar call where you come forward. And all of that can become very traditional and rote and so forth. And I, I don't now consider that anymore the word that we should be involved in when we gather, when the ecclesia comes together. So my thought is this. To me, the single most important thing in gathering or going to church is community. Let me give you a quote. Coming to God may be profoundly personal, but it is also deeply communal. For it happens in the presence of others who love, nurture, and guide us along the way. So, we're actually bearing his image. We're actually discipling one another with our lives. I am brought closer to Jesus and I understand Jesus better being around you. And then of course the love that we need. We were with some great friends and other ministers over this past week and there was great love. Pastor Wes was there also uh, online as was our good friend Ralph from Switzerland. But it wasn't the same as coming home and being with you. It's not the same as the hugs and the love that I get from all of you. There's something about home. There's something about the ecclesia that God has called me to. And, and so while I recognize and even... Approve isn't the right word. You don't need my approval for anything. But while I recognize and will state that I know God is using the time that we have come out of uh, and are still wrestling with uh, in the pandemic and um, the fact that two congregations now exist for almost every church. They're in church. They're in person and then their online church. And I know that that is a reality, and I, I accept that reality, and some of you watching me have made that choice that, that for you, the online church is how you choose to worship. You, you might not be coming back soon, but it's that I want to speak to because there are some things regarding gathering and ecclesia 
the community that you can't possibly have when you are by yourself or alone watching on a device. I think those things are wonderful. I think it's great for when you're sick or when we're wrapping up our pandemic or when we're, you know, you have to go to work and so you're watching on your phone in the, way to the, uh, in the car on your way to work or I, I don't know, at the bus stop or whatever might be happening. You're including some friends and some relatives of yours, I, uh, however that might be happening. I want to say to you that are wrestling with the idea of coming back to truly consider the spirit of Ecclesia, the teaching of Jesus that he is building. Ecclesia, not a television set. Not a gathering in your pajamas on the couch, watching via, uh, you know, your smartphone. Church happened to you that, that the only way church is viable, in my view, the only church, the only way that church is really meaningful and constitutes what Jesus said he would build is if there's community. And I can't, in my way of thinking, I can't possibly do that alone by myself. So, I encourage you in that. I hope it's encouraging. I yield to my partners. Well, don't all jump in at once. The question, the overarching question is why is the church important? Jeff, you picked up on a word community. I was going to say relationship. Um, we are a community of people that gather together. We are in relationship. Good, bad, ugly, weird, funky, whatever. Uh, that is the church. And our arms are wide open, as wide as they were for our Savior on the cross. So all are welcome, um, and that's messy because according to the, our story, there's a Judas in every 12. Yeah, there you go. And I think God is still saying, Judas, come on home. You're welcome. That's just my prejudice on who God is, at least I hope. Community and relationship. The other thing that struck me from last week that why church this is where our story is told you hear a lot of stories out there there's a lot of stories that are forming your character that are influencing your thoughts that are directing your paths this is where the story is told the Genesis gathering tells it a certain way, but the foundations are the same as what we do at St. John's. You, know, you come out of a tradition that emphasizes the word, we have them of equal standing word and sacrament. And of course, we get so arrogant about that that we say the rest of everybody is not good enough and all of that stuff. So, but the only way that that word and that sacrament have any power, influence, significance in our life is because of that story of Jesus. And like Jeff was saying, it's, it's not a story, it's not a doctrine, it's not a, 
here I'm laying it on you. It's something that we join into and participate in. The life of Christ in us, through us, with us. I think I said it last week, Bonhoeffer's, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's statement, we are bound to one another in and through Christ. And sometimes being bound is sticky and messy and I don't want to be bound to you this week. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's really good. Church is messy and I think we flee because of that reason, a lot of times it's uncomfortable sometimes to be in community and to be committed. And uh, just as divorce is easy today, um, so is not being in community. Yeah, don't wait. <clears throat> All right, so um, why is church important? Um, I think whether we know it at any point in our life or not, we are on a journey um, with God. And I think even people that don't believe in God are on a journey with God. And that journey is your entire lifetime. And I think it's, uh, you know, in my family, we, we it was always a Christian family, but um, also a, a very, uh, what, what, what when we were growing up would have been called seekers, right? You like, you're seeking uh, spirituality, you're seeking, um, spiritual enlightenment. And oftentimes in my experience, someone would say, oh, I don't agree with what that church, that pastor, that community believes. So I'm going to go and do this on my own. Uh, and you've got the Bible and you've got, um, you know, you've got other books that are written by, uh, spiritual or religious people. And when you leave the body, when you leave community, you're, you've got this relationship with God and, and it's very personal um, and you're going in a direction. And one of the things that kind of occurred to me throughout my life is that if you're going in a direction and you separate from a group because you don't necessarily believe exactly what they believe and you are um, within yourself, you believe, okay, I have this relationship with God, I can communicate directly with God, uh, he speaks into my life, and I'm just going to follow him, separate from a community. Um, if you can picture a compass, a compass has 360 degrees. And if you started going directly east that way, um, but you were just one degree off, you wouldn't notice. No one would notice. For probably 20 miles, you wouldn't notice that you were off by one degree. But if you get to 50 miles, you might notice, oh, well, over there is true east, but, you know, I'm still, I'm still going this direction, right? And I think by the time you got to 300, 500, 1,000 miles, you would be 100 miles off course, and it would be really, really subtle. And I think having community, having other people to talk about, to hear from, other input that challenges the way that you think is something that's so intensely important in your walk with God because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And also um, the way of a man seems right to him, but in the end, it leads to death. So there's, there's all this, this language in the Bible about you can be certain about something and you can be very wrong at the same time. And so 
being around a community of other people to challenge the way that you think is really important. It doesn't mean that they're always right. It doesn't mean that everything that you get from that community is going to point you in the right direction. But it's important to wrestle and to struggle with that. And so I think that's really what makes it valid and important to why is church important. It's, it's not necessarily the specific church you go to. It's the community that challenges the way you think so that you can go back to God and say, ah, this, that, what's right, what's true? And you can reorient yourself to uh, maybe it's not east, maybe it's west, maybe it's north, but get yourself back on the right direction. Yeah, community. So, Pastor Wes, I have a question for you. I'll make up an answer. <laughs> yes, indeed, you'll make up an answer for it. So, a few minutes ago, you were in the fellowship hall, and you were meeting with a group of people, and you all were talking about, in this case, First Peter. Were you having church? Were you church? Was that the church? Was that a part of the church? Was that church? I would say, yeah, off the cuff, I'd say that's part of the church. Uh-huh. No. And if that's all you did, did, could you say, I had church today? Yeah, well, I'm a Lutheran. We'd have somewhere along the line, somebody would have to give me some bread and some wine. But other than that, you know. <laughs> well, see, that's how what I'm... How much bread and how much wine, that's another subject altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, that's what, I was curious, that's what I was curious about. So that's, that's um, funny. last week, Lisa asked about, you know, so is, is, I don't remember exactly how you worded it, but kind of, uh, will, we, will church... Uh, what's the church of the future look like? Will it always be worship and the word and announcements? And you might have said one other thing. Uh, or is, is there a different, more relevant way, something to that effect, was the question. And, and I answered with Acts 2.42, where it said, um, the, at that time, that was the new church. That, they had just been, the church had just been birthed. And they were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles and to fellowship, to eating meals together. This is uh, the amplifying translation, and to prayers. And um, so, I'm I'm a little. You, we've had a lot of discussions. You know, I'm I'm more no legalism, all grace type of a person. So, I'm thinking. Well, it could definitely take on a different form. We don't have to do all those things all at once. seems to me they all need to happen within the church. And our question today is, why is the church important? And so these are things that are important for us in the church uh, to help us all to be discipled and develop in our relationship and all the things you, all things you just said, Matt. Um, but do they have to happen in a particular order? Do they have to happen on Sunday morning? Do they always all have to happen at the same time? In my book, as we all wrestle together these things, I'm saying no, it doesn't happen. Now, it does seem like when believers get together, there's always food involved. <laughs> And we do all like that, right? Amen. But that could be because we're human, right? <laughs> and it just, it creates a camaraderie. It creates something around which, to, and it is quite symbolic about, you know, eating. And when we're, when we're taking on and eating the word, whether it be through someone else's life or through teaching. But anyway, my thoughts are, it's important. These things are all important to us as we have community. But what order they come in and when, I think is... Subjective, I think the re- for me the rest just tradition and form. That's me. 
Okay, well, so everybody has had a couple of minutes to share their thoughts, and now we want to engage with all of you. You have a piece of paper, all right? And you might need two or three of those because it's not meant to house all of your questions at once. It's meant for you to write a question right now just as you're thinking about it and then use the second one to submit your next question. Was the idea of it? Okay, so for you here, if you have a question right now or you have a comment about why is the church important, you'd like to comment on that. Give us your feelings, your thoughts. Write it down and let, let us know that you have it and we'll, we'll come get it from you. And then for those of you who are watching via live stream, text us your response or chat with us in the chat window, all right? I think you can figure that out. Go ahead, start chatting right now. And or text. Nina is monitoring the text, 720-878-3323. We have our first question. Is church just community or are there more things that define the church? If so, what are they? Well, Nina, you read the, the passage from Acts 2, and that's helpful for starting to put into some of that detail. Um, I'm curious about the word just in front of community. Uh, community is huge. I mean, I live in the community of North Glen. Um, I'm on a board of the city of North Glen. Um, there's a lot that goes into living in a community. Um, there's a lot that goes into when you walk in the door, when you turn on the live stream. You're now... Well, they can live stream they can turn off real quick, can't they? And we don't know how long they've been... Anyway. Well, I, I, I'm wondering if we're subject to our dualism that we've been raised with and that evangelicalism has taught us. A very simple example of that is that we go to the building called church to meet with God and when we leave there we've essentially left the real power and presence of God and then through the week we need to pray or read our Bible or whatever to reach to God, to touch God. That's such a dualism because I actually am the temple where God lives. So we no longer talk about God over there or getting God to come as many of our praise and worship songs do. You don't get God to come to you. He lives in you. So what we should talk about is peeling back the layers of the onion and having a greater awareness of God's presence, not trying to get into his presence. So that very dualism is at the foundation of everything then that we're walking out as believers. And so when we say community, we're not talking about one aspect. We're talking about God's presence, God's temple. And, and that when we gather, that's magnified. Here's what Paul said, and if we could, uh, Lewis, if you would please, you have a Bible verse there for 1 Corinthians, and let me turn to it as well, because I have it in some notes, I believe. Uh, it's 1 Corinthians 12, can you find that one? Let's look together, everybody up on the screen here. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. 
So Jesus is the head, all right, so that's reserved, but you might be the shoulder or the finger or the knee or the whatever you are. It takes all of us in community to really have a complete body of Christ. And there's the universal body of Christ and there's the local body of Christ and then that's divided out by culture and theology and things like that and, and none of that's bad or good it just is in a, a society that's grown as large as ours has and so is there anything else to community I'm wondering if the thought behind that question is is that community means just coming together and greeting one another and, and doing everything together while we're there you know, that whatever that is, whether we're taking communion or we're praying for the sick or you're, we're listening to a message or whatever, and then we go home and we stop being community. See, again, that's a very dualistic way of looking at things. It, it just never stops. As, as our brother from Switzerland said, Ralph, he said, Ecclesia is defined by a continual ongoing, a, a continual ongoing, what do he say here? I have it. A, 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 a constantly being called out, a, a constantly being moved out of tradition into a greater awareness of who we are in Christ, both together and individually. So while there's lots of things we might do while we gather as a community, all right, various things we do, uh, community is what we do. It's, it's it, it, okay. We, we, don't stop and, we don't stop community and go home and start being something else, all right? You're still doing community at home. You're just not doing it with all the same people, but you're communing with Father. You're communing with me still in prayer, prayers you might pray for me, prayers I pray for you, so on and so forth. We can be aware of one another's feelings and hurts. Something can be quickened to me. Oh, she's going through a bad time. He's having a difficult day and I can begin to pray for you. All of that comes out of that oneness, see? That oneness of spirit and community. All right, what would be next? All right, so we're getting questions in the sanctuary here. I haven't seen anybody chat yet be sure to engage with us, you that are watching via online. Well, we have some interesting input here, which is good. Again, we're thinking in terms of we're wrestling together over some thoughts and beliefs, okay? So we may have differing opinions, but it helps us to think critically and, and consider and ponder uh, what we believe. So, um, but I, I think I'm going to Put that question first. What defines a biblical community in comparison to other communities? All right. Um, biblical. Uh, I think we have have this concept, and I, I grew up in a lot of Bible churches where you would go there, and then we preach the Word of God, uh, and those other churches don't. Uh, but everything was very focused on this is straight out of the Bible and um, the Bible is infallible and all of that. And so a biblical community, what I had learned was a biblical community was a group of people who based everything that they believed specifically on words and verses from the Bible. And anything that was outside of that, mm. any, other, any other writing was mm, second tier. Maybe you could get some influence from other writing, but 
then you had to weigh it against the Bible. And if the Bible didn't agree with that, out. Um, and I've come to understand that uh, kind, of, kind of interestingly, because it, it's straight in the Bible, Jesus uh, had a biblical community full of tax collectors and prostitutes and alcoholics and homeless people. And that is really the biblical community. And when I look at my group of friends, both my immediate group of friends and my larger group of friends and the people that I associate with and hang out with, uh, only about 20% of them are actually biblical community Christians. Um, and all of the other people that I have community with, many of them don't believe in God. Many of them um, would say they believe in God, but they really don't ever go to church. And I think that that, to me, is still a biblical community because those are people that Jesus would have hung out with and Jesus would have communed with. Wow. And by the way, they didn't have a Bible of 66 books, leather-bound, all right, where they could refer to, divided up conveniently into chapter and verse, which came very recently by historical standards, all right? You're talking about the last 30 to 50 years that that even happened. You're talking about the Bible being as new or as old as only 500 years ago when it was, you know, translated and, you know, put together and printed on the Gutenberg Press. And, and then it wasn't widely available, I mean, what you and I call the Bible today and have in our hands that we can readily go down to the store and buy didn't even exist for decades and decades of the first church. Uh, and so uh, even the first millennia, there just wasn't that sort of presence. So how did they do community without what you and I seem to lift to the place of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible? How did they do community without a Bible? Oh, but they had the Old Testament scriptures. Not common. There was a scroll. There were scrolls kept in the temple. But they didn't all have a Bible. I just, I digress. Wow. <laughs> that really opens up some things. Well, I think I'm going to ask this question and ask you to start the answering. In Holy Communion, we are not only communing with the Lord but with one another, question mark? When I served um, for St. Paul's Lutheran Church out in, Saint, out in um, Burlington, we were having a discussion on going to um, changing our practice of how often we had Holy Communion. Uh, Lutherans sit around and debate this, um, which I've always thought was really odd. Um, and so we got a bunch of people together. There was about... 20 of us, and I started with one question that just took off. What's your experience of Holy Communion? And I got so many different answers. It was one of the most exciting, energizing conversations I have ever been involved with. I know the lifelong traditional Lutheran is going to say, I go up there and I go through my list of sins and I feel bad for my sins and I ask for forgiveness. Okay. And then there's somebody else that said, I come up there and I pray for healing. That flipped these Lutherans out. They didn't know quite what to do with that. So you mean partaking in the body and the blood of Christ is going to provide 
healing for you. And we just unpack that a little bit. One of the children in the group said, it's where I get to be a part of the whole family. Wow. <laughs> oh, kids are good. Kids are good. So it's kind of like Thanksgiving dinner. Well, that is exactly what the Greek word Eucharist means is Thanksgiving. It's a celebration of where you're giving thanks. Not just for sins forgiven, but for healing and for inclusion into the body of Christ. And it's just, yes, and more and more and more. You know, and that again is what Jeff was saying. Come in and participate. We still have people joining us live stream, communing themselves with yes. the elements. And that's okay during a pandemic. But we're here, and Genesis is here, and come on down. All right, so we have another question that's been submitted. This is not a question. Oh. Um, so someone is saying, if, if I'm, and if I'm, whoever wrote this, if I'm saying it incorrectly, let me know. I believe they're making a comment that church brings like-minded believers together. Is that what we're saying? Church brings like-minded believers together. So that's one thought about what the church is and why it's important. Mm -hmm. Brings like-minded believers together. Okay. And thank you. By the way, while we're on comments, uh, Jeff uh, texted and says, and this, this goes a lot uh, along with what you were saying, Matt, about why the church is important. It's easier for the devil uh, to depress. Let's put it this way. It's easier for people to be depressed, individualize, bring down a person who separates himself from the herd. It's like lions hunting for a meal. They wait for their prey to be by themselves before they attack. So when we're alone, we have our defenses. We don't have the de we don't have the support group. We don't have, the and that is true mentally and emotionally and in every way. Whether you need meals brought, whether you need somebody to hear you out, um, whether you need somebody to cry with you or rejoice with you or give you a ride somewhere or whatever it might be. So that whole, whether it's a spiritual thing or an emotional thing or a physical thing, uh, the church brings us together. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, okay, so here's a question. Isn't church important because it was initiated by God? Therefore, attending church is an obedience to God's command. Well, I'll start by saying it's the attending church's being obedient. So now we have to define, well, what is church? So am I obeying God by going to the park with a group of friends, reading my Bible and worshiping and praying? Is that acceptable? What if I gather a group of individuals from my office, well, you know, we're in some sort of typical office building or scenario and um, several of us get together and say, you know, let's use our lunch hour to uh, read our Bibles together and we'll just see what comes of that and we'll, we'll pray for one another. Is that church? And, and many other, I'm being very traditional even in those alliterations and examples. Um, 
I will say this. It used to be very important to me to teach the word obedience and be sure that everybody understood where, how, when, why God requires us to be obedient. It's not that I have an aversion to the word now. It's just that I think it has so undermined the heart of God and his DNA and the love relationship that we have with God for at least in my life and the way I grew up and in the traditional um, common evangelical message that I was under where blessing came as a result of obedience. And so I was constantly trying to please God. I now understand that obedience comes really more out of being blessed and, and that I'm blessed whether I obey or not because God doesn't change his mind. Now I might remove myself out from underneath something that God's wanting to do through some decision that I make and because of proximity in my own mind and choices then I, I fail to be in the place to receive fully what God had planned, sure. Is that possible? Yes. But is there this judgment and this condemnation that if I don't, and so what I want to remove from going to church or attending church or being in community is the unpleasantness where you're constantly checking to see if you measure up. Have I checked all the boxes and so now I can receive? There aren't any boxes to check. He loves you the way you are. He loves you even in the state that you might be in that's disobedience. He loves you unconditionally. And so therefore, I think church and gathering and community ought to be a result of our love relationship with the Father. I... I I have been on vacation, I mean gone vacation, like not just up in the mountains locally, <laughs> in another state, in another country, on vacation, and have sought a place to worship and be in community when Sunday morning came around, just because that's my worship time Sunday morning. Sometimes leaving family to go be in worship, because. You know, they didn't want to go or were so tired or didn't want to get up. For me, I wanted to be in worship. I do that not out of obedience. I do that because I have fallen in love with somebody that just is so incredible and I want to be around his people. And so if part of that is receiving communion and being prayed for and listening to the word and worshiping and so forth. And sometimes that means going to a building to have that to get close to that, to experience that. But we're trying to bring definition to what is a church, so on and so forth. So I just want to remove uh, from the notion of community and church attendance the aspect of obedience that says, I've got boxes to check before I'm obedient, number one, and number two, that if I don't go to church, I'm not being obedient. There's a sense in which you're missing out. I, I, I think God's heart is, is sort of 
you know, disappointed in the same way that if I invited, if I had a large family, invited everybody over for an event or for Christmas or Thanksgiving, and uh, several of you decided just not to show, I would be disappointed because it would be saying something. You'd be communicating something that it wasn't important, you know, and, the, and that you didn't want to be with the rest of us and so forth. So from that standpoint, I just want to remove the idea of obedience and obligation from church attendance. Okay? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I think, and, and this is something that uh, Nina touched on earlier with uh, Acts chapter 2 and the, the early church, and they didn't have the New Testament. They were currently writing it. They were making it. Um, and they would meet on the steps of Solomon because they didn't have a church building, and they would just tell stories about Jesus. And this is how, this is how their community and their church you know, if we want to call it a church, existed. And that happened, it spread all across the Roman Empire and beyond the Roman Empire for 300 years before they met at the Council of Nicaea to basically formalize what does it mean to be a Christian. Um, and they, you know, so for 300 years, this was what church was. There wasn't, uh, they didn't have the New Testament uh, they got together at that council and they decided, what things should we keep here? What things that Paul wrote, what things that Peter wrote should we put together and, and put as part of our church? Um, and then you had, after that, you had the, Roman, the forming of the Roman Catholic Church for hundreds and hundreds of years until someone said, this isn't quite right. There's something wrong with this. And, and they split off and you have Martin Luther and you have, uh, you know, different different directions that the church went, but at the same time, it was always the same thing, gathering on the steps of Solomon to talk about stories of Jesus. And so you have, at some point, there wasn't a church to go to, it was just a community, it was just the people around you. And you were so excited about this that you would share it with other people and that community would grow no matter where you were. And it spread like fire, so much so that the early church before they had the Roman Catholic Church was was persecuted by numerous different um, of the leaders of the Roman Empire. And so it has always looked different throughout centuries of time. And so if you think about it as a command, go do this, really it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. God created Eve because it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. Oftentimes we think of that in a a uh, sexual sense or a love sense, like Adam needed someone to be in love with and to make children uh, and procreate. But I think the message is bigger than that. It's not good for any of us to be alone. We need community. And it looks different throughout centuries and millennia, but at the same time, it's how God created us is to be in community with others. So maybe uh, you all can correct me. I'm sure you'd be happy to correct me if I'm wrong. I don't actually think the scripture, I don't think God ever has commanded us to go to church. I don't think that's in scripture. It says to keep the Sabbath holy. Well, Sabbath means to rest, and the Sabbath is not a Sunday. In the New Testament church, they daily met and house, went to the temple and, and house to house to have church. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure it's a correct thought that God's ever commanded us to go to church. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But again, that's left up to, weren't you just assembling in there? Or did we assemble at our house? Or, yeah. So I think that's left up to interpretation. Yeah, the 
The structure, the structure is not a command. The Sunday morning structure is not a command. The Sunday morning structure is not a command. That's really important or critical, I think, to some of the definition. And oh, by the way, I want to remind you that in terms of what we're sharing here and the diversity of views, because not everybody at this table believes exactly the same, that what happens is it gives you the freedom to wrestle. There's not perfection up here. We're not presenting you a perfect message. Uh, we're presenting you things that we're, we're pretty convinced in and of ourselves individually constitutes church for us. And we hope that the message getting across is life-giving for you. We also hope that you're getting a new view of God and that he's not judgmental and that, it, that, 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 that cursing you for your disobedience is completely absent from his DNA. I do have several uh, comments that have come in. Um, so what does one do if they don't have a community, a church, to commune with? If one can't find it online, if, pardon me, if one can find it online, I don't believe that's a bad thing. Something's better than nothing, right? Completely so agree. Sure. Absolutely. Do, do that until you find a physical community where you can also go for all of the good reasons that we've talked about. And we will be as much a community, and I, knowing who wrote this, we'll be as much a community to you, to you as we can be. Um, okay, here's another comment. Having an understanding that we are the church, we must leave church and be the church to our community. God loves the world, so I don't believe that we should divide what we do in the community according to who believes the same way we do. Thank Even you. if we don't talk about scripture, we can love on others, and I believe that to be a form or phase of church. Yes, amen, and that's what I Thank think you, you were saying earlier. That's just me personally. Yeah. Thank you. Well, yes. that goes also to the, the statement that was made earlier about like-minded. Yeah, we're all comfortable with the people that we're like-minded right. with, but that's not the only criteria, you know, being like-minded. Um, that's why we're wrestling right now. Yeah, and so, you know, um, come and bring your questions, come and bring your issues and, and struggle. Um, that's that's a value. Everyone learns with that one. So that's that's rich. That's good. Um, okay, here's someone else's comment. While virtual services are not new, in other words, think about like Oral Roberts or Jerry Falwell. True. Do live services give our religious leaders the ability to connect with their congregation? How would you feel if you could not see your followers? I, I, I'll just say my calling and my gift is to be with people because I have a pastoral gift. I don't think I can carry out the fullness of my calling online. So size wouldn't matter, but I'm going to be with people, sharing, healing, taking communion together, and I mean physical communion, the, you know, the juice and the, the cup and the bread, so on and so forth, which we still need to take, so we're going to be bringing things to a close here so that we can receive communion together and pray. Um, so I'm just, that's my comment about that particular 
I love online. I've been touched and blessed and helped in my walk of faith through online ministry. I would never want it to stop. We were doing online and live streaming long before the pandemic came. And I don't see us stopping. My personal opinion and feeling is that to trade viewing online only, to, to, to trade, that's not the best word, but to exclude going in person to community for only live streaming, I think is a mistake. And uh, so whether it's Sunday by Sunday or getting yourself, you know, to, to, the, um, to, the, to the dinners, to the fellowships, to the uh, visit to bingo, a visit, you know, come when we have a potluck, do, we need each other, all right, so. Yes, very quickly. Uh, are there any other questions? Okay, no other questions out here, all right. I'm going to read something from Carrie Inoff as we close our teaching time, our sharing time. Communion is being passed here. You can hear the music starting. And we'd invite you there to be sure that you have the cup and the bread as we receive communion together. Uh, do that now. Grab that and listen as I read you something from one of today's real bright thinkers. He's a churchman an author, a pastor. Um, I admire so much of what he writes and I picked up this the other day in a comment that was posed to him about, well, so the reason I stopped going and, and just everybody tune into this, it's so important. The reason he was asked, the reason I stopped going to church or told, he was told, the reason I stopped going to church is because it's just all about consumerism. I think a lot of us could identify with that. Maybe someone watching has stopped going to church for that very reason. Here is Carrie's comments. Carrie Enoff. The ultimate consumerism isn't going to church. It's walking away from it. People criticize the church today as being consumeristic. And to some extent, churches cater to consumerism, often to our detriment. I agree that consumerism is a problem for Christianity. But ironically, much of the dialogue about why people are done with church pushes people deeper into Christian consumerism than it pushes them into deeper discipleship. Here I am, all alone, worshiping God on my schedule when it's convenient for me. Listening to a podcast of your favorite preacher while you're at the gym or on a back deck and pushing three of your favorite worship songs through your earbuds does not make you a more passionate Christ follower. It usually makes you a less effective one. Disconnecting yourself from community is actually less faithful than connecting yourself with a flawed community. I think that's such an important point. Get connected, even if it's flawed, get connected. If you think the church today, Carrie's continuing, if you think the church today isn't enough, and arguably we need to reform it, then do what the early Christians did. If you want a more biblical church, don't gather weekly, gather daily, before dawn. 
Get up before the sun rises to pray together with other Christians before you go to work. Pool your possessions. Don't claim anything as your own. Be willing to lose your job, your home, your family, and even your life because you follow Jesus. Then you will be more authentic. And notice that the early church did indeed gather. Gathering always leads to some form of organizing. To pretend that the church doesn't need to be organized is as illogical or is as logical as arguing that society doesn't need to be organized. Because community is inevitable, organization is inevitable. Or is inevitable. So I, I thought that from Carrie very bright. Let's receive communion. And uh, I just have to tell you, Jeff, Jeff, who you all know and who's a faithful family member of Genesis but hasn't been able to be here for months due to physical situations. He just sent this. He said, if we didn't have online streaming, I'd be in a whole lot worse shape. So, you know, sometimes you need that for... Jeff has not been able to be here with us in community since October. So he is so thankful for even this bit that we do, this little bit that we do. Yes, please, read prayer requests now. We're going to okay. take it with communion. As always, we have, uh, it's like the crowd coming to Jesus with their needs. We have a crowd coming to Jesus. Please pray for Ben. We're going to read prayer requests. Please pray for Ben, who was hit. These are tough, by the way. Hit by a car, had to have emergency brain surgery, remains in intensive care, fighting for his life. Pray for his wife, Rachel. For Maxine, who's been sick this week, possibly pneumonia. Wow. Spencer, a 20-year-old, lymph cancer, family, you're concerned and scared. For Taylin, um, her continuing recovery, and this morning she's had a nosebleed that doesn't stop. She has some blood clots. Of course, pray for their family who have to figure out this journey. For Kathy and Jack's granddaughter, Karsten, we brought this up before. She has a lump behind her ear. It has grown some, and she gets a biopsy tomorrow. For the preemie Jackson, who we prayed for, he still needs to be able to breathe and eat on his own. And his mom, Samantha, who's dealing with postpartum depression now. Pray for um, uh, Cindy's mom, right? Barb, Barbara and stepdad, Arthur. He's at home, uh, but he's in the stages of dying, and mom is taking care of him. Uh, pray for his relationship with Jesus and God's mercy. For B, for ongoing sciatica pain. For Ray, um, family health issues. Tom has cancer. Her daughter and son have other health issues. For our Jeff, edema. For uh, Mary's family member, Jackie, dealing with cancer. Been seven years um, in the hospital. I just got a prayer request that I don't know who it's from. Pastor Abraham and Sierra Leone was just in a major accident. Um, let's see, for Linda and for her kidneys, for Terry dealing with depression after her mother has passed and, um, and her job let her go, Fran for safe travel as she and her family are traveling, for Linda's sister Gabby and her family protection today as they move their daughter out of a bad situation, prayers for Pam's aunt as she transitions out of her home to assisted living and as she's dealing with uh, physical uh, challenges. God's big enough for all of this. We may not be. This may be overwhelming to us, 
but not to God. Pastor Wes, uh, for many years, it's been your tradition to receive communion every week and then probably other times even during the week that it would occur sometimes seasonally. Would you lead us in communion? <laughs> no, go with the flow. It was a night that Jesus and his disciples were gathered and he was handed over and betrayed. We do the same thing. But on that night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it for all of them to eat. This is for all of you. This is my body, which is given for you. He took the cup in the same way, and he blessed it, and he shared it with all of his disciples, all of his disciples. Judas was at the table. He said, take, drink this. This is my blood shed for you. As you receive this, you receive Christ. Amen. Amen. We're one body, and wherever you are right now receiving this, we are one. We are in community with you. Let's take and eat. blood of our Lord. Let's take and drink. Nina is going to pray over these individuals that we've called out. Father, we, uh, you've seen every one of these needs. You knew them before we announce them <laughs> but um, but we're cooperating with you we're work we're, we're as you t have told us to do to pray and we lift all of these individuals and their families to you Lord thank we you. thank you that you care that you love them that you are intimately involved in every situation working all things together for the thank good you. we thank you for all of that and your attention to these people Lord your love for them may they know your presence right in the midst of of their situation. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Thank you. And now we have a corporate prayer. It will be on the screen. I would uh, enjoin you all to join us as we pray the corporate uh, prayer that we will have uh, for you at the table, if that's looking over your shoulder or whatever you need to do at this point. Um, let's pray together. And this is a prayer that it actually comes from a, a common uh, prayer that was created and put out uh, in a book of prayers. And then uh, reading it, I felt like the Holy Spirit helped me to edit it, especially for our concern here today. So let's pray together, everybody out uh, on the live stream. All right, ready? Read. 
Lord, place us in the text of Scripture rather than the certainty of the Constitution. Open our eyes to see the conversation, the story, the predicament, the spirit, and the incredible community of people who keep bumping into the living God. May we be a people who, even in the midst of experiencing setbacks, disappointment, and messiness, are best of all a people who are growing in trust of Jesus and one another. Cause us to see what you see, to feel what you feel about your church. Increase our faith that we can be part of making a difference, even starting anew. Amen. May God bless his word and our time together. We're going to continue this panel discussion next week as we move on then with the question, is the church still relevant? So be thinking about that. Plan on joining us and again because of the nature of uh, the schedules of those at the table, we've needed to shift our time to 1045. So it will be again next week. We will start service at 1045, not 1030. A couple of announcements. A new one, uh, media department training. If any of you would like to be involved in our media department, we certainly could use some more help. And 630 on Monday, February 28th. If you have any questions, you can speak to Lewis or you can speak to Jeff about that, and we'd love to have you be a part. Um, giving, we thank you as always for your giving into the ministry here to support the mission of Genesis and into the work of the Lord. And if you're here in person, uh, you can give at that back table. There are envelopes if you need a record of your giving, and you just drop them in that basket. And as I've heard Pastor Wes say, not to be confused with a trash basket, <laughs> the one on the table there. Uh, or you can give online, go out to GenesisCC.net and you'll find the place to donate or you can text to give at 720-730-8510. Thank you. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have a great rest of the week. We're going to go to song and we're going to hug and love on one another in community.